Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The ICC have three choices and make none of them. Rather than hacking through the jungle, they want to know how they got rumbled. Meet the new chair, same as the old chair, but please God, not the same as the old, old chair. And Australia say, yeah, nah, to a cricketless 2020. We saw Lizzie Proctor speaking with the devil. This is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. We're recording on Saturday the 30th of May 2020. 21 years to the day since England crashed out of their own home World Cup and 20 years and 364 days to the day since the tournament's official song, much like its hosts, spluttered into the world and out again and left no mark whatsoever. And so on and so on for the next World Cups, four World Cups, uh, prompting Owen Morgan and Andrew Strauss to rip up English white ball cricket and start again with glorious consequences. Coincidentally, it's also a year to date since that triumphant World Cup campaign began with a comfortable victory against South Africa. Something, something, circle, something, something, complete. I'm your host, Knuckle M. Pandey, and I'm here with a panel of all the talents assembled from three continents to talk about the news and the not news out of the ICC this week and Cricket Australia heavily penciling in some dates for actual cricket. Joining us once again from Bombay, he's practically our BCCI correspondent now, the co-founder and editor of our friends at Crit Tracker, Ankit Mishra. Hey, hi. Uh, pleasure to be here. Not so much to be the BCC guest one, though. <laughs> uh, that's a poison chalice for anybody. Uh, and uh, joining Ankit, a new voice to us here on uh, Guerrilla Cricket, giving us the view from outside the big three, anchor and sports reporter at Newsroom Africa, Channel 405 in Johannesburg, Pilar Sande Sikraba. Hey, good, th- good, ha- good to, have, uh, to be on the show. Thanks so much for the intro, Nako. Welcome, Pila. And finally, she has been on our airways very briefly back in the Malahai glory days, but you will know her work in print and on screen, not just as Tim Southey's dartboard or the person who draws finger circles around George DeBell's face, but a truly excellent coverer of cricket and cricketers, live from deepest New South Wales, Mel Farrell. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for reminding me that no matter how hard I try, no matter the 
body of work I could put together, I'm always going to be best known for getting in the way of Tim Southey slogging the ball at a practice session at Lord's. Thank you so much for that. It's a fine piece of boundary fielding, Mel. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> No, yeah, uh, uh, an excellent, uh, an excellent cover of cricket and 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 cricketers in multiple media uh, now working uh, freelance. We're delighted to have you all on the show, uh, and we'll kick off with what's happened, or more to the point, what didn't happen at the ICC's board meeting in Dubai this week. Mel, we'll start with you. Uh, the decision has been deferred on the hosting of this year's T20 World Cup, and instead, the meeting devolved into concerns about an issue of confidentiality. Does is this code for they've decided to go on a leak hunt rather than set a schedule? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, I guess. I, I, I know we were sort of uh, discussing the, uh, the cricket info, my former colleagues, uh, Nagraj Golokundi and, uh, and Osman Samyuddin, uh, getting, getting the scoop out of that meeting and then basically re- putting out the details of, of what was supposed to be discussed and talked about before the meeting itself. Uh, in a way, I think they would rather delay the decision rather than make it as soon as possible, even though they kind of have to make it as soon as possible to let countries know, simply for the fact that this whole situation is, is so fast moving. I, I mean, a month ago, it looked like cricket could possibly not happen this year, almost international cricket anyway. Uh, and things certainly in Australia uh, where the next T20 World Cup, uh, men's T20 World Cup is uh, supposed to happen, uh, that looked like absolutely no possibility. Now it, it sort of feels like it's still a bit iffy, but it, the situation's moved so quickly in the last month. So in some ways I, I think they'd be quite happy to, you know, almost have the time to make the decision a, a month down the track. It, it's if they're going to go on a, a, a sort of hunt for, for leaks, I, I don't know how successful or important that is. I think it's probably more important that we get some clarity on, on what's going to happen. But at the same time, you know, in a, in a month's time, who knows what the situation is going to be? Who knows how far it may or, or may not have come? So I, I don't think we'll be waiting a month for those decisions. But uh, it, it seems like a strange thing to be really delaying the decision for that in itself. I could see other reasons perhaps for delaying the decision that would be more important than if they're, if indeed what they are worrying about is, 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 uh, you know, discussion points and so on being leaked to journalists. It, it seems like small fry when you look at the massive decisions that have to be made uh, in, in the world. Because like, let's face it, when it, not just ICC, uh, with, with various boards, whether it be the ECB, East, uh, with, uh, Cricket Australia, Cricket South Africa, whoever, the BCCI, things always get leaked. And we always you know, read about things that are going to happen or, or, or options that are on the table beforehand. That's just, that's just how journalism uh, works when you're looking at governing bodies. So it, it does seem like a weird thing um, to say with such a sort of momentous decisions to be made about cricket. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how long that, that delay goes for. But I, I, I wouldn't imagine there'd be too much success in, in finding out leaks. Boards leak all the time. Cricket bodies leak all the time. So uh, I, I don't think that that will, that will stop anyway. Yeah, it does seem a little bit strange for for the ICC at their biggest meeting to uh, to be concerning themselves with who has committed an act of journalism. Uh, uh, Pilar, 
Um, and, and I guess I'll come to, come to you on this. We, we've spoken to people from across the cricketing world. We spoke to Warren Dutram, the CEO of Cricket Island, a few years ago. And while Cricket South Africa are in a slightly better financial position, they're relying on the revenue from global tournaments uh, just as much as everybody outside the big three is. Um, this is a question where the answer is obviously no, but should this be taking precedent over the fate of one and possibly two global tournaments? Most definitely, Nakal. I think, you know, a, a lot hinges, particularly the financial side of the game, hinges on good, sound, secure decisions being made uh, early enough so that, w- so that people know where they stand, particularly the individual boards. Um, South Africa, in, in, in all due respect, finds itself in a, in a bit of a, uh, you know, sort of a, a quandrum in terms of how their financial situation is, you know. Uh, as much as they're still staying afloat, they know that there's so many things that could derail them. Um, the Mzanti Super League, for instance, uh, is one issue that um, you know is is hoped to make a lot of financial sense for them in the future, but it hasn't um, you know reaped the the, the necessary rewards that um, a lot of people have been been hoping that they would. So. Uh, for the ICC to, to sort of drag its feet in terms of making these kind of big decisions, it, it really does, um, you know, impact negatively sometimes on, 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 on how the, the, the individual boards try to forecast how much money they can make, how much money they can spend uh, in, in, in respect to, 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 to some of the things that they have to do to, to, to deliver. Particularly now that South Africa has also lost out uh, on a couple of international series um, so far. You know, we were, the Proteas, men's and women's, were supposed to go to the West Indies and, and, and Sri Lanka, respectively. So it, it, those have been sort of pushed back. Um, and, and, you know, the rescheduling announcement is still going to have to be made by the ICC when those series are going to be played. So I think, you know, to focus on finding leaks within its own board I think the ICC is a little bit, you know, naive in terms of uh, their priorities and where they lie. Um, you know, the ICC, the the ICC World T20 is a, is a massive cash cow for uh, not only Australia but a lot of the other uh, cricketing boards across the world, and for for a lot of uh, anxiety to hang around uh, and hover around the, the the hosting of that tournament is quite detrimental in how boards want to prepare their, their, their seasons and how to try and kickstart some sort of, of, of cricket action um, before then. And, and of course, with the government, the individual government re, uh, regulations and how, uh, you know, the return to action from uh, this COVID-19 pandemic is, 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 is concerned. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation, but I think it's a situation that the ICC needs to, to try and, and, and grab a hold of uh, sooner rather than later because a lot of, of, of decisions hang on whether that ICC World T20 tournament is going to happen or not. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen that um, Cricket South Africa have had to announce another round of uh, salary cuts and job cuts um, further hampering the work of an already uh, overstretched board with a hell of a lot on its plate that, uh, that other boards uh, don't necessarily have to deal with. Um, Ankit, I can, I can bring you in here to kind of combine this question and the next one. This, there seems to be a, a severe failure of leadership um, at, at the ICC. And the, 
I do wonder if the fact that Shashank Manohar, the chairman, announcing that he's not seeking a new term has led to a complete uh, leadership vacuum. Uh, one, the ICC going for a, uh, the league hunt is absolutely not something they should be doing. Uh, I totally agree with Mel that these sorts of information always leak. Uh, they are journalists trying to do their jobs and of course going to leak. Uh, very few organizations at any level have ever been able to successfully stop them. Uh, and this is not a top secret. Even if you look at the report, it generally just stated out the possible scenarios. And I am not very sure what is the problem that ICC had with the scenarios coming out. Uh, their decision was anyway, uh, it even said that they might not make a decision this time and uh, will defer it to July. Uh, if they are actually doing that, we really don't know. And uh, this could very well be their attempt to buy some time. Uh, the situation is improving in some parts of the world. And uh, we will still need more clarity from governments, not just uh, the hosting uh, nations, but even places like India. Uh, the sports ministry has been very clear on uh, resumption of sport. And they said it is not BCCI's decision, but it is the government's decision to then allow the fest because uh, sporting facilities, security, travel, everything is to be handled by state. Uh, so for that matter, it, ICC might very easily be buying time with this and I do hope they are able to get something out of this. Uh, with regards to the Sashank Manohar uh, issue, he earlier uh, stepped down and then he was asked to stay. Uh, we've seen how that has played out. Uh, he, they, ICC is not wanting to give it to somebody else. That is uh, possibly the only reason Sashank Manohar has very clearly been critical of the BCCI and people who run the BCCI very specifically and Srinivasan, who's held the same position before him. Uh, who comes in next, again, uh, we've only seen two chairmen so far and both of them have been from India. Uh, and we've already heard people talking about Saurav Ganguly taking up that role now. Uh, not very sure on who gets it, but uh, there is certainly a vacuum in the decision-making in the ICC. Uh, they are not very sure of the current situation and they are not very sure how it progresses from here. Uh, I can only look at that as an attempt to buy some more time. I do want to assess Manoha's legacy and, and look at some of the potential uh, the potential replacements and, and some of the really bad news that could be coming down, a down the line if a couple of the names that have been mentioned do end up taking over. But um, Pilat, we've had uh, Cricket South Africa uh, talking about this in, in recent days. Uh, Chris Nanzani, the chairman of the CSA, uh, basically, I'm not quite sure whether he was slapping down Graham Smith publicly backing sort of gangly or uh, tacitly trying to send a message saying that CSA will back uh, Graham Smith. Um, his statement is, is a little bit weird. Look, there's been a, a weird disconnect in terms of communication at the top brass of, of uh, Cricket South Africa for quite a long time now, Nakal, because, you know, you, you, you'd be aware of, of the turmoil that the board has found itself in over the last sort of year, year and a half. Um, and, you know, it's not the first time that, the, that there's been a disconnect in terms of communication from board level um, down to the, the, the top positions, namely CEO and, and of course now director of cricket in Graham Smith. Um, I think it's something that Graham Smith is going to have to learn during his tenure of director of cricket of, of cricket South Africa is that there has to be a seamless sort of communication between the board and him and the CEO, um, you know, because as much as I think that he was making 
those uh, pronunciations to back sort of Ganguly. Um, he was he was making it on a personal capacity, but he he did forget that he was on an official platform, which was a, an official press conference with journalists um, in the capacity of director of cricket of, or, or director of cricket for for cricket South Africa. So, in that sense, you know he, he can't really be making those kind of pronunciations without the backing of the board. Um, and I think it's it, it, there's the as mentioned before, it's a big disconnect between the the, the communication at board level, uh, uh, filtering down to the CEO, uh, down to um, you know some of the the, the the staff that initiate and implement the kind of decisions that are taken at board level. Uh, we have we know that you know Graham Smith has a great affinity to Sirov Ganguly and of course some of the Indian legends because of his playing days um, and particularly as, as captain of, of the Proteus for such a long time. So, um, and of course, also having ties with uh, the, the Indian Premier League is, is, is very much respected in, that, in, that, in those circles um, as a commentator and both as an analyst. So, you know, you, 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 you understand his affinity towards, uh, you know, backing sort of Ganguly, but those decisions need to be taken at board level um, and I think, you know, he, he has to, you know, sort of learn how the, 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 the chain of command really works. Uh, and for Chris Nenzani, you know, he's, he's also been under some, some, some pressure uh, for a long time now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of calls for him to step down and for the rest of the CSA board to step down because of, uh, you know the the maladministration um, accusations that have gone on uh, for a long time uh, at at cricket South Africa. You know there's been so many suspensions, so many resignations at board level. Uh, the the CEO um, Tabang Mure, who's also been still suspended after I think now seven months, um, which the decision is still has to be made on 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 what his future future sort of entails you know i don't think that uh, jacques fall is gonna is gonna is gonna feel comfortable acting for this long um you know there's been a lot of murmur that he's going to be taking over on on a more uh, permanent basis uh, but those decisions still needs to be made on, on what happens to chris nenzan to to tabang more so i think there's, there's there's a lot of disconnect um from the top brass at at csa and that also needs to be sorted out as soon as possible so, so that they can have um, a, a good candidate that they can put forward uh, when the ICC uh, you know, sort of elections come through uh, in, in due course. Yeah, in that statement, Chris Nanzani said that, uh, uh, referring to his position in the third person as uh, Cricket South Africa chairman, forgetting that the Cricket South Africa chairman is him. Uh, Mel, we're, um, I, I said that I wanted to assess uh, Shashank Manoha's legacy and it's he's been in a very interesting position and has done to my mind a pretty good job in the circumstances as the independent ICC uh, chairman um, but I do see the danger of a lot of his good work being undone. Well you look at what was undone when he came in and, and replaced Ensrinivasan of course uh, and I, I actually noticed with interest you, you're referring to the big three a few times um, so far, well, if if it hadn't been perhaps for arguably for for his strength in coming in and being prepared to to sort of go 
back to the BCCI and, and stand his ground, make the ICC stand their ground. Remember that that was at the time when the big three was being really pushed to, to take over uh, in so many ways, particularly uh, the financial rewards. Uh, so much more of the money in world cricket was going to the, the big three. Um, this idea that the ECB and Cricket Australia needed to be in the tent, uh, as, as they pretty much said, with, with India. Um, and with he, him coming in, he was quite strong. I, I remember first hearing about it. I mean, governance stories are really boring to most people, but uh, when some of these, uh, these changes that were being made came in, I remember thinking, wow, this is like, this feels almost like a revolution in, in cricket terms, in going back and maybe spreading the, the wealth a little bit more and and I mean you talk about legacies at the same time that those financial financial decisions were made and yes you would be really frightened and I hope it doesn't go back that way where we are talking about the big three a lot a lot more uh there was also you know he got rid of uh when I say he under his leadership the ICC got rid of affiliate nations so there are associates and the the full members and also gave the opportunity for other countries to become uh, test playing nations which really paved the way for countries like Ireland where you know we, we got to see them play their first test at Malahide and and also Afghanistan for those countries to be able to come in so it's sort of has felt like there are more pathways and more opportunities for, for other countries to come in. Uh, a, a bit more sharing of the wealth. Some people would obviously argue that it hasn't gone far enough. You know, we still had a 10-team World Cup last year. There are still a lot of difficulties for, for other countries uh, coming through and playing more one-day cricket and even having the opportunity to play four-day cricket now that the, the four-day cricket international competition was kind of wound up as well. So there'll be critics and there'll be fans, I guess, of what he did. But I, when you look at where cricket looked to be heading on an international um, level, he it, it seemed that he really sort of fought back, dug his toes in, obviously had that very um, interesting rivalry or, or relationship with Andrew Srinivasan as well, who was his predecessor. And... To think that uh, I think the last two uh, chair, chairs of the ICC have really left a very strong stamp of their their views on which way cricket would, would head. And I think that's what makes this next decision incredibly important, especially as we come out of, uh, you know, this, this pandemic. Um, so many things that were put in place, like the, the Test Championship, for example, and now this scheduling nightmare with what happens if, if the, the t men's T20 World Cup doesn't happen, its impact on women's cricket, all those kinds of things. So uh, there's a lot riding on, I think, who uh, takes on the mantle next because we've seen with the last two, the direction they've taken cricket in internationally has certainly veered from one way to another fairly strongly. Yeah, we're the recurring theme of this podcast is really that we we would like the ICC to to take more of a central role in cricket administration and be more of a governing body rather than a, a members club. And Shashank Manohar has uh, tried to push that agenda in in his role as ICC chairman and really uh, stress the independent side. But the the two names that have been uh, put forward, Colin Graves, who is uh, what did come in with an attempted at a 
uh, at a revolutionary agenda taking over from Charles Clark at the ECB, but has been seen in the in the UK as uh, as kind of a continuation of the old of the old regime. And sort of Ganguly, who even before he took over as BCCI president, basically announced that he was going to go to war with the ICC. Um, and just just combining and wrapping up on 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 this, uh, um, Pila and, and Ankit, we've. We've seen that India's tour of South Africa has been sort of heavy penciled in. How on earth that can happen with the situation in South Africa currently is a, is a mystery. This does seem suspiciously like a quid pro quo. Oh, most definitely. Um, it, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, uh, Graham Smith is obviously uh, held in very high regard in India. And, you know, those, those decisions were always going to be sort of favorable for the two boards. Um, I understand that there's there's some financial implication for the, for CSA for bringing um, the the Indian men's side here for uh, a three twenty a three T twenty series in August, um, which uh, you know if if uh, if you look at it and and see how Graham Smith has also made those those comments around uh, sort of Ganguly, it does seem like a colluded uh, sort of decision to say if we do come to South Africa. Uh, you will back us uh, in the vote for chairmanship for the next chairmanship at the ICC level. So it does seem like that, um, but I, I think both sides are, are also quite desperate to get back onto onto the pitch and play some some cricket, which I think is is one of the the, the, the should be one of the leading things uh, in in the decision making is that we actually do get some good quality cricket in. Um, particularly around a time where we've lost so much in terms of, of cricket action out on the field, but also to, to, to adhere to, to some of the, re- the health regulations. We're also living in uh, a very difficult time in terms of, of, of our, our general health and, and of, obviously global health. So it does seem like a, a very colluded decision to have the, the Indian men's side come here uh, and then straight after that, uh, Graham Smith makes those comments about backing sort of Ganguly for chairmanship at ICC level. So, you know, you'll never really know the 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 the, the actual truth on on what happened in that decision making. But you you you'd really love to be a fly on those Zoom meetings or Skype meetings or board meetings that these guys have in terms of who uh, and what happens in terms of the outcome of cricket. But it does seem like. Uh, a very much colluded decision, particularly from Graham Smith's side as director of cricket, uh, and of course the BCCI. Yeah, I've got to be careful about words like collusion, but it does seem convenient. Uh, Ankit, if this if this is the case, it's a bilateral three-match T20 international series. This does seem like quite a low price for an endorsement for the chairmanship of the of the putative world governing body. This is a hell of a bit of bargaining by by sort of Ganguly and his backers who, let's not forget, include N. Trinivasan. Uh, so BCCI in general has always had multiple groups at people and at organizations, be it CSA, be it ICC. Uh, you try and change the schedule for a tournament, then BCCI clearly is very capable of uh, warning your back off. Uh, you try to pull in like a day-night test match and they tell you we won't talk. So, uh, with the sort of power that BCCA enjoys, getting an endorsement has always been very easy for them. Uh, Graham Smith has had a lot of things to do with uh, the IPL and uh, coming here for everything else. And now being the director of cricket there, he also has to take care of Cricket South Africa's interests. Uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's done that for that uh, without uh, actually talking about collusion. But I think uh, the endorsement is very clearly because they want uh, this to take uh, importance ahead of everything else. Uh, while the BCCI is thinking, should we travel or not? Uh, this should be a nudge for them to do that uh, because they have a clear endorsement here. Uh, I, I don't see any other reason because unless uh, somebody is asking for an endorsement, or it is uh, very apparent that everybody is uh, trying to clear their allegiance. Why would Graham Smith go public uh, in a, in an official press conference and actually say that he's backing Saurabh Uh Not like somebody asked for it. Yeah, and and Pila made the point that he might have been been being a little bit naive or a little bit uh, overly bullish. Um, in in and forgetting that he was speaking in with multiple hats on, but uh, uh, yes, as we say, it does seem uh, convenient uh, and interesting to be aligning. Um, after the break, we'll talk some more positive news, some more actual cricket news. We'll be discussing Australia's hot off the press men's and women's 2020-2021 schedule. It's a thing, probably, uh, but we can't keep the show or its associated podcast going without your support. So here's us letting you know how you can support the show. We need your. <laughs> Alternative Cricket Commentary, bringing you laughs, bringing you jingles, bringing you joy. We are Gorillas. We need your Patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket. Welcome back to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast with me, Knuckle M. Pandey, and our guests, Ankit Mishra, Filasandes Kaba, and Mel Farrell. Speaking of Patreon, we have a new reward. Before I explain that, if you're a $10 a, um, uh, a month or more patron, you'll have access to this automatically, so you don't need to do anything at all. Lovely. But if you are thinking of supporting the show for the first time, $5 or more a month gets you access to all of the scorecards from our Dice Cricket Gaming Sensation, the Dick Weller Broad Owlzack Trophy, and even more excitingly, 10 to 15 minutes of bonus pod content. We'll be trialing this for the first time this week. Uh, so if you want to hear our guests getting super nerdy, as though we hadn't been getting nerdy already, and answering your questions, sign up at patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket at $5 or more a month. Cheers. Let's crack on with news of actual cricket and theoretically at least plenty of it from down under. Um, Mel, we've got a pretty packed uh, schedule this, this Aussie summer, uh, according to this, the, uh, the men's and the women's. What's the reaction been in Australia to the to the new schedule? And we'll go into some of the finer details of it, but uh, just a, an overview first. Well, well I think uh, cricket fans were certainly very excited to, to to see things being scheduled. As I alluded to, to before, I mean, it, the situation here now feels very different than maybe it did a month ago. Um, so in Australia, I think in the 20, 24 hours that we've just had, there were only 11 new cases confirmed cases of COVID-19. So restrictions are lifting here. Where I am in country, New South Wales, we haven't had any confirmed cases in, in a few weeks. So it, it does, it, it sort of does feel a little bit like things are returning to normal. There's, they've also got a real advantage, Cricket Australia, in this being the off season. So just in, in the past couple of days, uh, the NRL, the, the National Rugby League competition, that has, has restarted. Um, a, the AFL, uh, Aussie Rules, again, the national competition, that will restart shortly. So cricket has the advantage here of being able to actually see what other sports do and see how it, it happens. So they're even talking about here with the NRL, they're, they're pushing uh, to get 
crowds in to find ways of you know getting crowds into the games in the next sort of month or so so just yeah, just be able to see that yeah sorry i wanted to ask that so with will these games this this summer uh these these tests and t20s and, OD, and odis will these games have fans in attendance is that the plan well, we don't know that yet. They've just announced that. So there haven't been any announcements about fans. Again, I think they have the luxury of being able to sit back and wait when it comes to that and, and be able to see. The, the T20 World Cup is a, you know, that's something that's, a, in, a, in a way, it's kind of out of their hands. But they, it was always seeing Cricket Australia aren't going to make a significant amount of money in that compared to, say, India touring. Uh, later on in the summer so that that was always the big key here in Australia if they could get that India series because it it makes so much money and and bear in mind you know Cricket Australia has stood down a huge number of their staff on 20% pay the state associations have, have stood down a lot of people the coaching staff all across the board so there's still real concerns about the the viability of, of the various associations in Australia um, so we don't know if they'll have fans. I do think that they will watch and see what happens with the winter codes here that are now starting to come back. And if they're able to come up with plans, with procedures at grounds to be able to safely have certain numbers of fans in. Uh, and they're, they're very lucky that they've got other sports to be able to actually see how that works and probably make that decision a little bit down the line. Uh, there's some odd things about, about the schedule it just it, it still feels like there's a schedule there because there, there are T20s planned in in there before what would be the the scheduled men's T20 World Cup, and you wonder how if if they do decide to call off that tournament or postpone it, whatever they decide to do, it's going to be quite odd to have these pockets of of T20s being played where they're being played. I mean, we know that that's how they schedule the different formats in the game is generally in the build-up to whatever cycle we're in, if we're in a T20 World Cup cycle, if we're in a, a 50-over World Cup cycle. So at the moment, it feels like there's, there's still a, a plan there for if that uh, T20 World Cup does take place as scheduled in Australia. Uh, India, even India coming out and playing T20s and then coming back and playing a test series. Will that sort of thing happen? I don't know. Right? So... Fans, I don't know, and also the procedures for it, like how they bring teams in. The biggest concern with the T20 World Cup is that while Australia has done very well, the last thing they want to do is allow cases to come back into Australia uh, so that the, the, even though they've got those winter codes of football happening right now, of course, they're just involving national players plus in the NRL, a team from New Zealand, which is having to base itself in Australia for the entire season. Uh, so that all the procedures involved in that, that's that when it comes to the test series, other series as well, just how they cope with that, I think will be very interesting in seeing how that affects other countries, how long they have to come into Australia beforehand, what kind of quarantining they will have to do, all of those kinds of questions. There's this, so even though they've penciled in those dates, it still feels like there's a lot we don't know. If if nothing else, it just felt like it was a it was a nice thing to read to go, oh, cricket, eh? Haven't we missed it? It would be really nice to see some. I know, right? It's just it is just nice to see a schedule. It's just uh, it, it it starts that pre-series excitement, which I which I do do really miss. Um, I'm sure that the the cricket Australia will be watching with interest what happens with uh, with the English. 
uh, home season and the biosecurity measures that have been been put in place. Um, and we've heard that about those in great detail, and are going to get more detail uh, on that with Pakistan and the West Indies touring touring England. Um, but we do have a more, far more of a geographical spread with this apparent uh, schedule. Some of it, um, not to everybody's liking, uh, we've had the uh, the Western Australia and Queensland uh, associations publicly squabbling over the right to host uh, host India tests. Uh, what we've ended up with is an India Day night test. Uh, Ankit alluded to that earlier that didn't happen last time and starting the series at uh, at the gabatoire um ankit is this a is this an effective compromise uh, one thing is for sure bcci would want cricket to resume very soon uh, with the possibility that ipl might not happen they are also losing out on a lot of money uh, we are talking pay cuts for players uh, for the international players uh, and to be honest we've heard uh, cases where domestic players are yet to be paid that due from the previous season uh, so, st- which effectively tells us state associations have not got their share of money from BCCI and they've not been able to pass it through. Uh, there is monetary pressure on the BCCI also to host these tournaments and now if they're not able to do that and if the World T20 is not happening, then they would want to play whatever bilateral series possible. Right, so their bargaining position isn't as strong as it was the last time Australia toured. So they would still want to play whatever they would want to travel to Australia because uh, controlling situation and the entire condition in Australia is pretty easy. They don't have a lot of cases right now. Uh, it is pretty much things back to normal, almost normal in Australia. Uh, traveling there, they would just want the CA to take care of all of the measures that come into place. But largely, if uh, things continue to be as they are uh, in Australia and that part of the world, I, uh, I think we might go ahead with that series. Uh, they would w- not want to bargain a lot. Uh, just just make sure that it is still uh, in their favor and it just works out. Yeah, I'm not sure... So- <laughs> I'm not sure starting the series at the Gabba is in any visiting team's favor looking at, uh, looking at history. Although at day night, uh, the, the idea of uh, Jaspreet Boomer and Pat Cummins going up against each other in a, uh, in a pink ball test match is, uh, is absolutely mouth-watering. Um, there are some uh, lower profile or, uh, or less uh, rich countries uh, touring on the, on the men's side. Uh, an Afghanistan test match, very, very exciting. And Zimbabwe uh, ODIs. Um, hopefully, Pilar, the Cricket Australia treat Afghanistan and Zimbabwe better than they have Bangladesh, who uh, keep on having stuff cancelled against them. It does seem that those might be the first to go if there has to be some stuff to go. No, definitely. Look, I... It's one of those situations also that is pretty much cash 22. You know, you boards want some cricket action to return, but you know, for Afghanistan and, and, and probably Zimbabwe won't attract the, the, the desired attention that uh, cricket Australia would probably want. Um, but it, it does serve, serve a, a greater purpose in that there will be some sort of, of, of cricket action on the go. Uh, which is always great. I think Afghanistan, particularly from a limited overs uh, point of view, are a really good, uh, solid outfit. And, and Zimbabwe... World Cup also, notwithstanding. Yeah, no <laughs> World Cup notwithstanding. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're also really coming up nicely. And, of course, Zimbabwe coming back from, the, from that suspension, uh, that ban, uh, have also, you know, trying to, to get their cricket back on, on its feet again. But it's going to be difficult. It, I, 
if something really does have to go, it will definitely be those two. But you'd hope that um, the some of the big bigger so, uh, nations would treat uh, sort of the, the the smaller nations with a little bit more respect. You know, we saw um, how Afghanistan played that, that their their first test against uh, India a couple of months ago. How you know that attracted quite a lot of attention, even though the the quality of cricket on the field was probably not of the highest standard, but you know, there, there is some respect that needs to be given to those uh, to those associate nations or smaller nations or whatever you want to call them. But it's 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 going to be difficult from a Cricket Australia point of view to try and, and garner interest uh, for those, um, you know, matches. But the ultimate prize is that there'll be some cricket on the go. Yeah, we, we covered every ball off tube of uh, Afghanistan's test against Ireland. It was a fantastic test match. Uh, turns out we were the only people covering it for some reason, um, uh, for, for reasons. Um, but essentially, we've got, we've got Af- the Afghanistan test is scheduled in at the Wacker. Um, and this is, uh, as I know, Perth were not very happy with the fact they didn't get an India test match. But, um, but we do have the, the, the plan of the Wacker hosting the... Uh, the less high-profile uh, teams. Uh, Mel, is there a big Afghan population in, in Perth? Do you know? Ooh, I, I have to admit, I don't know sure, the sure. actual demographics of sure, sure. Perth. But I, I do, uh, there is certainly, uh, I know I've been to, um, to the matches in the, the last World Cup, the 2015 World Cup that was held, and there was a really noisy, loyal, colourful Yeah, the, uh, they took over Canberra. Yeah, yeah, in Canberra, Bangladesh, when they played Bangladesh, that was one of the most entertaining games. Amazing atmosphere. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and and so, I, I mean, it's great that they announced that. I, I thought that that would be the, one of the first things to go if there was going to be a truncated season. Um, but I, I do think, and you mentioned Australia's treatment of, of Bangladesh, which has been absolutely disgusting you know it's been really bad the way that the Bangladesh has, has been treated by Cricket Australia I, I do think I would like to to see this test go ahead to have that sort of goodwill because Afghanistan is seen as such a, a feel-good story in the world of cricket there's always tension between the the, the Gabba and the Wacker when it comes to a season where there aren't enough test matches to go around that that happens every single time. Who's going to miss out? Um, and last time when India toured, well, Perth got Perth got the test in their shiny big new stadium, which is basically like a shiny new Gabba uh, in the way it sort of feels, I think. Uh, but, the, you know, the Wacker, it was always meant to be there, kept there. They wanted to keep it as sort of a boutique stadium for those perhaps smaller tests. I think that's a great venue, to be honest, for an Afghanistan test. The only other venue I think that would have been really good for that test might have been Canberra, uh, Monica Oval. Uh, but they've got that this time. It sort of has to be shared about it. It's always going to be in Adelaide. It's always going to be at the MCG. It's always going to be at the SCG. And so the other two stadiums in particular, along with, them with Hobart and Canberra, have to fight for, for the other ones. So, look... Perth got it last time. They can't be greedy. They still do have a test. And it'll be the first test of the summer, assuming everything goes to plan. So that gives it a, a bit of kudos as well, because 
you know, it's, it's there. And I, I think certainly think the Australian cricket team will be happy that the India series starts off at the Gabba because uh, they've obviously got such a great record there um, and it, it, really, it really suits them. Yeah, and uh, Smith and Warner back uh, back amongst it. Uh, full-strength Australia taking on a hopefully full-strength uh, India uh, should be a fantastic series. Uh, if it happens, um, you know, the reason I mentioned the Afghanistan fans, I've been to Afghanistan games as well, and you know, I've watched games involving India. I was at uh, the 2011 World Cup final in India. Uh, I've seen Bangladesh taking on India. The Afghanistan fans are the most die-hard cricket-mad fans I have ever seen in person. Uh, and so if that is not an amazing atmosphere, I'll be very surprised. Um, onto, the, onto the T20 World Champion women, um, they've got some big, some big high-profile opponents uh, coming. India again, who've been frequent visitors to, to Australia and, uh, and New Zealand. Um, it might seem a little bit churlish to say this, but I think we saw the ambition and we saw the, uh, the real emphasis put on making women's cricket a standalone big thing by itself that can draw fans and should be marketed appropriately we've got nine games picked only two test grounds you've mentioned both of the monica oval in in canberra and uh and the former bell reeve oval in in hobart blunston arena the the ex-tire company arena now whatever it's called is this just a kind of softly softly approach it does seem that a slightly lacking ambition well, you have to remember the, the T20 World Cup final that was held at the MCG. That was in Cricket Australia. That was the ICC going big for that. This is now Cricket Australia. So, And the, the thing with that final was that they, they put that date in the calendar a long time beforehand. They were building up to that for... Uh, you know, it, it, at least a year, it felt like it was a really massive build-up and they made their intentions quite clear that they wanted to to sell it out. They put the marker in the sand. It was, it was really big and it was a huge marketing effort. It really was. Cricket Australia don't, I don't think, have the wherewithal to be able to conduct that kind of massive campaign. Um, so so I, can, I don't know if it's soft, softly, softly... I, don't know that they would sell out for example in a in a bilateral series they're not they're not going to get the same kind of numbers that they got for that final at, at the MCG my gosh that was only a few months ago I still can't believe it was 86,000 people feels like a lifetime ago um but they are it's also it's also the time of year what's well, interesting you know they've got the Hobart game there are a lot of games that are being held in the north uh, of Australia in the northern states where the weather is a lot better at that time of year as well and and also perhaps a little bit of an expansion going up to the places uh, in North Queensland for example that hardly ever get any cricket whatsoever so maybe there's a feeling of, of a bit of an expansion and taking it to to new audiences but they, they really want to build on what what was really quite incredible in that T20 World Cup. And when you look at that, I think those games are in August. That's, we're talking about a six-month season. That's the other thing about those schedules. With the men and the women's games combined, you're looking at a six-month season. It's almost as long as an English season, which is really unusual for Australia when it comes to international cricket. Yeah, the county championship might even have finished by the time that uh, <laughs> that, that rolls around. Uh, yeah, it is a it is a long drawn out uh, process, which is very much uh, going against, for example, what we're seeing in, in football in in, in soccer, uh, where every league is trying to truncate itself into the into the minimum number uh, number of weeks possible. And I'm not saying sell out the MCG for a bilateral game. That doesn't happen for men's bilateral games. Um, and obviously, a, 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 
a two-thirds full MCG looks ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, there are smaller tests. There are smaller, you know, for example, the Wacker, for example, uh, the, even the Adelaide Oval actually isn't, isn't really a boutique ground anymore. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's great to see that, or I guess there's Cairns and Darwin as well. But, you know, it, it is, uh, I was so, so impressed by the fact that people decided that they wanted to make that T20 World Cup final uh, at the MCG a big deal. They threw their money, they threw their energy, they threw their creativity at it, and they did it. And now the template has been set, and no longer can we say that, uh, oh, they won't draw the crowds or people aren't interested. No. If you build it, they will come. We've seen that, and, and hopefully that uh, that will continue. Um, but it's... Uh, it, yeah, it, it's the it's Australia's chance to uh, to kind of have a kind of an elongated victory parade that they didn't really get to have because everything shut down so quickly uh, after that World Cup final uh, and to high class opponents in in New Zealand and an India team who are still smarting from that uh, from that defeat just completely ran out of energy it seems in that uh, in that final. Um, I guess we'll we'll close on not that any of us know but the the chances of those happening or I guess the what is the will to have each of those elements happening and and we'll go back uh, we'll go back through uh, Mel uh, well I think there's a there's a huge will to have it all happen uh, it, it's been a really difficult time for all of the cricketing countries obviously uh, in Australia it feels like we've really dodged a bullet uh, since I've been here and that it felt, was felt that cricket has kind of dodged a bullet because this all started, they managed to get that final in. And then if it had been a week later, that final wouldn't have happened. It probably would have happened behind closed doors. So it was right on the knife edge. They only, you know, they, they lost a, a couple of games against New Zealand. And now they've got all this time to sort of wait and see what other sports do and then bring it back in. Will they all happen? I can't, you can't really say. I definitely think that India series will happen. Um, the T20 World Cup still feels like it's a bit 50-50 and that may affect those other T20 series uh, leading into it. it. You know, if there's, if there's no chance of that happening, yeah, do they really look at those, those ones so they decide they'll play them? It will change things quite dramatically here, I feel, if there's no T20 World Cup because of the hole that that would leave in the schedule that they've set up. I mean, I, I genuinely hope all of them happen, as I'm sure we all do. Um, but it, it just feels, you know, like I said, if it was March the 8th was the, the World Cup final for the women and it's, it's only a few months later and it feels like the whole world has sort of spun on its axis. So where we'll be then, I think we'll be in a reasonably good place in Australia to, to host as many of those games as possible. And I do think possibly, probably most of them will, will go ahead by then. Yeah, I mentioned it before we came on air, that the commentating that uh, that game on Gorilla Cricket was the last time I left the house uh, that wasn't for grocery shopping or exercise. Um, uh, Pilar, um, yeah, again, the same question to you. And also just, just how exciting it is to, to see actual cricket potentially scheduled and not uh, with a realistic chance of happening. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I think it's, it's it's something that you we we have to look forward to. Um, realistically, still very much up in the air how uh, all of it will happen um, and the time frames that all of, all of these have been scheduled. Uh, it's going to take a lot from the cricketers in terms of 
you know, their workload, their bodies and how they're going to prepare for that, especially after such a long layoff of, of, no, of not a lot of activity. You know, I, I, you know, even now Cricket South Africa have issued out a statement, you know, welcoming uh, the decision by the sports ministry to allow um, athletes to go back uh, onto the training grounds in preparation for, you know, for, for some sort of uh, sporting action in the near future, which is, is, you know, the best news that you can really uh, hope for during this time, you know, even though there's not a lot of, of certainty that, um, you know, the different sporting codes will return to play uh, in the near future. But it's, it's always something to look forward to. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the T20 uh, World Cup uh, will take place um, so that a lot of these athletes and a lot of these associations can get out onto the field, um, but also from a financial aspect, also uh, make some sort of money to keep uh, them afloat and, of course, uh, put food on, on, on plenty of people's uh, uh, plates uh, at the end of the day. So quite exciting, um, definitely excited uh, about what is going to happen between the South Africa and, and an India series that is in, I think, about two months' time in, is, is August. So, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting and definitely something to look forward to. For sure. And that series, by all the way, makes a lot more sense as a preparation run for the, for the T20 World Cup than as a standalone by itself. Although I, I'm not one of those people who thinks that uh, cricket, uh, cricket without context is necessarily a bad thing at, at most times, but particularly at this time, cricket, all cricket is good cricket. Um, Ankit, uh, yeah, the same, same question to you in terms of the chances of those happening. And uh, you were, um, when we last spoke a couple of weeks ago, you were uh, cautious to the point of pessimism and um, have, have the intervening two weeks in terms of cricket news and not news uh, changed your mind in any way? Uh, so the situation still remains pretty similar in India. Uh, I'm still, I'm a bit optimistic about the Australia series only because of the conditions they can create. Uh, it can be uh, conducted in specific environment where everything is controlled uh, from travel to stay and all of that. Uh, but not very sure if they uh, they should uh, change the schedule as such. If they are planning on doing a lot of T20s, I am happy about it because players, players will be returning after a very long time and uh, the shorter format is easier to adapt to. Uh, it is easier on them to start off again. Uh, will of course require a lot of training, a lot of effort on their part. Uh, the other day on one of those lives, Rohit Sharma said he was set to make a comeback like right out of the IPL. Now he hasn't literally touched a bat for a very long time and he isn't sure if he's going to be like how how well he's going to come back. Right? So they will need a lot of time uh, to prepare mentally and physically to be match fit. Uh, right now they've been at home. Uh, the sports authorities in India have asked them to return to stadiums for practice. Uh, but in specific cities like Mumbai, Delhi, which are also the major cricketing centers, uh, we are still in extreme lockdown. So that has not resumed effectively. Uh, so first, uh, I'm not very sure about the South Africa tour because of August. Uh, it is expected that the COVID situation will peak in India June, July. Uh, if it does peak in July, uh, then August is uh, really not possible because uh, sending players off, taking care of all of those. Now we might see a new trend uh, where uh, along with physios teams might also have a medical officer traveling with it. 
who takes care of all of those things. Uh, there'll be extensive sanitization, all of those things happen. Uh, to build that sort of a situation in Australia with uh, the nation already witnessing some sport, then getting time to prepare for all of that and for cricket to return, I am pretty optimistic about the Australia series. Uh, not Still not so sure about the World T20 or the South Africa. Cautious optimism uh, mixed with mixed with realism, and we have to be um, as much as we love to be really bullish about this. And usually, I am. Um, we we can't be uh, completely uh, head in the air, Voltaire like uh, wild optimists. Uh, but uh, hopefully, we will have some cricket uh, on our screens. And hopefully, uh, if we can uh, drag ourselves into the into the studio in the middle of the night via our mics here on Gorilla Cricket, but that's. Uh, that's a long, long time away. But uh, thanks uh, for to you guys. That's our time on this week's Guerrilla Cricket Podcast. Thank you very, very much to co-founder and editor of Crick Tracker, Ankit Mishra. Thank you, Nicole. It's been a real pleasure uh, to be on the show. Uh, anchor and sports reporter at Newsroom Africa, Channel 405 in Johannesburg, Pilasande Sikraba. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on the show. And freelance cricket writer and broadcaster, Mel Farrell. Uh, thanks for having me. I feel very, very honored to have made my debut on the podcast. As well as the podcast extra bonus content I mentioned at Halfway, you'll also get the pod a day early if you're signed up as a patron at patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket. But even if you can't support us financially, I want to make it as easy as possible for you to find us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Podbean. If you're on iTunes especially, please leave us a rating and a five-star review. We've got more Dick Will Abroad as at Trophy Action this week coming to the sharp end of the group stage. Throughout that tournament, we're raising money for ourselves and the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation UK who do amazing work fighting for treatment and finally a cure for type 1 diabetes. Type 1 stole our dear friend Dan Lucas from us in March 2017, so this is personal for us. JDRF UK are good people. So go to the Just Giving page that's splashed all over our social media and in the show notes for this episode. Anything you give at £15 or more is split between us and JDRF UK. We'll be back with another Gorilla Cricket podcast this time next week, discussing more Gorilla origin stories. Till then, keep those bubbles appropriately socially distant. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.